Welcome to this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. In this week's episode, the guys have an open conversation about the lawsuit going on with the National Association of Realtors around sellers paying buyers commission, all while enjoying Buffalo Trace bourbon. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks, brought to you by Living in Colorado, The Mile High Perspective on YouTube. My name is Charlie Sardelli, and as always, I'm here with... A guy that is just flabbergasted by that, uh, that intro. That was fantastic. <laughs> so much throw, energy. Throw a little bit extra. So into much it, energy. <laughs> uh, Jameson Amros with Fathom Realty, guys, as always. And guys, Oscar, back in the barrel today. Um, so guys, don't forget, we post our episodes weekly on YouTube. And also you can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, all the major streaming platforms pretty much every Friday. I do apologize. Last week's episode... I had some stuff go on with some airlines. Um, not not gonna not gonna name them. I should, but I'm not going to. Uh, got spend an extra two days in New Jersey. Not something I ever want to do ever. But I was there. Got to spend some extra time with my at an family, airport so. that services really one major airline. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Um, His whole entire goal is to unite the United States. <laughs> exactly. I like that. It was yeah. good. Um, and guys, don't forget on this podcast we bring you guys. Quality real estate information straight to the consumer from news headlines, the market, and everything in between, specifically because we want you to be armed and ready in this crazy market that we've seen um, over the last year, two years, three years. Four years, five years. Five years, six right? Years, whatever it is. <laughs> uh, and also, while we talk about real estate, we drink some bourbon. We do. And I'll tell you what, man, it was really cool. One, one thing, so... I was away last weekend. I went up to Rhode Island, Block Island, uh, and I went fishing with my uncle and some friends. Caught a 37-pound striped bass. It was pretty, I saw pretty that. great. Picture was gnarly. It was, it was awesome. We capped out, got 24, uh, 24 um, blackfish yeah. both day. So 48, over 48 pounds of meat brought home between six of us. It was awesome. But the reason I talk about it is because one of the guys there was actually a bourbon connoisseur. Yeah. And like, he, he just spends money on bourbon. And what was really cool, uh, I was telling Jameson this before we started, is I got the chance to drink Pappy 10-year and Pappy 12-year. And I swear to you, the bartender did not know what he was doing because we got that Pappy 12-year for $30 for the pour. And I'm talking it was like the end of the bottle pour. So that, that on average is, what, $75, if not over 100 oh, easily. in some places, right? Easily. So it, it was really cool because that's supposed to be like the – the the golden goose egg of bourbon um there's some there's some up here and uh in in the bourbon club and i'll tell you what man i took a sip of the, the pappy 12 and every part of me every every part of me and we i've talked about my hippie roots and how i don't like to spend money was like this i want this to be shit i want this to be like blanton's right no oh my god <laughs> just neat no water nothing uh amazing like the complexity was great oh yeah the, just the flavor all through, and the burn was almost non-existent. Yep. And I looked over. We both looked at each other, and we were me and uh, the gentleman that that got uh, shot with me, and we we're just like, mm, "Damn it, it's worth it." Are you sure it, that it wasn't because it was thirty dollars? You know, I, I tried not to let it affect right? me, but at the end of the day, I took the sip. I I, I had a moment with it. You know, I, I took it out to, to dinner. Yeah. Let yeah, it let yeah. it schmooze me a little yeah, bit. Yep. Yep. Let it touch your leg. It, yeah, let it touch my leg, you know, and then it took me home, man. She touched my leg. <laughs> it took me home. It showed me a good time. I'll tell you what. Pappy 12 year, I, I can attest to it. It, it, was, it was good. It was good. Yeah. But, I mean, talking about Pappy, today's bourbon is kind of a staple, right? If, if you drink bourbon, a lot of people know Buffalo Trace. 
right? I mean, you, you, you could say it is Pappy. Yeah, pretty much. I it's mean, it's the same, same distillery, right? It's just the young Pappy. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So if, when Pappy everybody... was Padre. <laughs> <laughs> Grandpappy? Grand, grandpappy? Yeah. yeah his grandson? Pa- Padre Trace. Um, Buffalo Trace is made in the same distillery uh, as Pappy Van Winkle Blanton's. Um, and Oh, and George T. Stagg and E.H. Taylor mm-hmm. and Weller and Weller Special Reserve and it's Weller 12. It's all the, in the, the same distillery. lineage. Yes. The distillery, right? It is the distillery. Um, what's funny is Buffalo Trace was kind of a sleeper cell for a while, mm-hmm. the, this bottle here. And I remember back when I, was, when I was bartending in Western North Carolina, this was the bourbon that the owner of the bar was like, hey, drink this. It was $20 a bottle at that time. And she was like, this is going to be the most buttery, best bourbon that you're going to find yep. for twenty to twenty-five dollars, and I got hooked on it. This was Buffalo Trace was my staple for the longest time. Once I grew up and got away from Jack and you know Woodford Reserve and all those other ones. So the reason that Pappy is so good, do you know how long they age it for minimum? No, twenty-three years. Yeah, <laughs> twenty-three years. It's crazy. Yep. It's crazy. Now uh, this whole lineage of Buffalo Trace, the distillery, mm-hmm. I think is. Still one of my favorites. Yep. Um, it's, it's one of the tried and true, you know, it also is, it, it's, it was victim to the folklore, right? Mm-hmm. So if you go on Netflix and watch a uh, heist. Heist um, or, or neat, neat. This is the yeah. distillery that's highlighted in neat too. Yes, correct. Like but heist is the, was the Pappy Van Winkle yes. Uh, heist. Yes. And they detail and essentially, I mean, genius marketing, right? They mm-hmm. made it rare on purpose. Yeah. And then when it got stolen, they just essentially flipped it on its head and said, Hey, it got stolen cause it's so good. Mm-hmm. And now it's hard to find like this, this bottle, it's, it's 31 bucks, right? Mm-hmm. You would think that's in line with Larceny or yeah. Elijah Craig, whatever. They're hard to find. Yeah. They absolutely. are very, very hard to find. Well, and I think that's because everybody knows, yes. you know, everybody knows, yep. especially once those, those two aired and everybody yes. drank bourbon was like, Oh wow. Yep. Buffalo trace. Yeah. But again, screw you guys. Cause I was buying this bottle for $20. I know dude. <laughs> I know. Well, it's, uh, like, it, and it was, it was, it was a hidden gem and it was amazing. It's um, still one of my favorite bottles for, for under 40 yeah, bucks. Yeah, absolutely. Bar absolutely. And guys, we're going to, we're going to give you a fair overall, not, not our, um, our, our, Hey, I love this. This is a good one to have view, but we are going to give I a fair I love this. Review. This is a good one to have. I'm going to try and be as uh, uh, objective as be possible. Impartial, all right. <laughs> um, but the, the one thing that I, that I enjoy the most about Buffalo Trace is, and it has been this way from the beginning for me is butter. Yes. I always get butter. Yep. And and in in a smoothness kind of way rather than a flavor yep. kind of a way. Um I'll be honest with you this is I don't I since we started drinking on the podcast and doing the podcast I've ste- steered more away from Buffalo Trace especially cuz I don't really drink as often anymore yeah. other other than here and it's it's been interesting for me because having tried all these other bourbons Buffalo Trace was was my was my top gear. So I'm interested to, to taste this and actually give it a give it a rating, right? Um, well, while we while we wait for the pour to open up a little bit before we take our first sip, the topic that we're going to cover today has been going on for 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 about a year two and years. a half already, two 20, years now, 2021, I think. Right? And what we want to cover is something that we've talked about in the past, and we we may call this a little bit more of a controversial episode because of what the nature of this lawsuit against the against NAR is, but virtually. The, the background of, of what we're going to talk about today is there's litigation, a lawsuit against NAR for... Which is, what is NAR? Uh, NAR is the National Association of Realtors. It is the board, the association that keeps realtors accountable and has us... That's where you see, if somebody says realtor, 
they have to go get certified real tour, by NAR, real tour, real tour by this yes. by NAR because they're held to a certain standard, and you have to pass classes, you have to have uh, an ethical. Continue, ethical yeah, class, continue education, continue education. Mm-hmm. Yeah, CE credits, and yeah, you're held to a higher standard mm-hmm. um, because you can be held directly accountable yeah. by your local board. So in our case, it's Smedra, the South Metro Denver area, um, or DMAR, depending on in Colorado where we're from. So yeah, yeah. Continue. So, so basically what this, what this lawsuit, and this is going to be very, very entry-level explanation of it, but People are, are suing because they believe that realtors make too much money and commissions should be less than they are. Um, and as you guys know, whenever Jameson and I are sitting here like this and Oscar's in the barrel, this is free form, baby. We're yeah, gonna- I, I may say some things today <laughs> that, um, yeah, fuck it. It's free form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's free form. It's- yeah. No, you, you hit it, right? So there, there's two real main issues or areas that are being argued and number one when we say that the commissions are too high specifically and this is going to be important uh it's that the buyer's agent commission is being paid for by the sellers in Mm -hmm. most if not all circumstances yep and the second piece of this is they're they're basically asserting that the mls which is the multiple listing service Mm -hmm. is seen as a conglomerate and doesn't give everyday individuals that want to sell or buy the right information it's almost that nar is hoarding the information interesting so that they can quote unquote price fix which mm-hmm. we're going to talk about it yes we're um, going to talk about i it. don't have an opinion other than the fact that it's bullshit mm-hmm. and we'll go through why i'm yeah. not going to just leave you guys with the fact that it's bullshit i think mm-hmm. there's actual real real world ramifications yes if this is successful that is hilariously going to affect sellers as well mm-hmm. if not more than they really think yes um because what what's happening and what we're seeing is there's just a lot of misinformation, right? Hundred percent. Well, and, and I mean, ultimately, and, and again, this is something that we try. This is why we have this podcast, right? Right. Is because we want to bring information. And I'm sorry, but the average consumer is extremely ignorant to real estate Correct. and real estate processes. Yes. Like, and there's and, there's a specific reason why. Yeah. On average, a human being will go through a real estate transaction from start to finish three times. Our life expectancy is what, 77 years? Mm -hmm. So three times in 77 years. We don't expect anybody to be all up in this information day in and day out, right? Mm -hmm. Like day in and day out. Yeah, the investors, obviously the agents, the realtors, uh, property management companies, but by and large, you guys go through this three times in your entire life, right? If I were to, I don't know, (laughs) do anything three times in my entire life, (laughs) I have Take no idea what I was doing, dude. you guys trying to build a real estate YouTube channel. Yeah. Right? Like, right? We, we understand it's niche, right? Right. People are only going to search the information when they need it. Right. But at the end of the day, exactly to Jameson's point, that's why people are ignorant to the processes and how it works, right? So before we get a little, before we get too heated, let's go ahead and get this first sip in. Cheers. Yeah, see, man, it's just the nose immediately. Yep. It's that brown sugar. Feels like home. <laughs> mm. But we're not gonna be, we're gonna be unbiased here. Hmm. On the nose again, butter, caramel, um, a little bit of vanilla. Yep. Definitely, definitely a little bit more more heat heat on the nose than um, than you know bourbons around around this level. Um, but again, because of how young, how young it is Correct. Um, in comparison. 
as I mean, far as oh man, yeah, I get toffee on the back mm-hmm. end that just kind of lingers. Oh man, it's again, it's just that yeah. for me, it's it's smooth. It's a sweetness at the back end. It's almost like a dessert after after yep. you take the sip mm-hmm. and it sits and it doesn't coat your tongue. It doesn't burn your no. tongue. Like it's not like the syrup we talked about. It just kind of sits in the back of my the back of the tongue mm-hmm. and you just enjoy it. Yep. A little bit of chocolate. I'm getting yep. a little yeah, bit of chocolate. Toffee. Mm-hmm. I get a little bit of like, I don't know, apricot, like right in the middle, mm-hmm. like a little bit of fruit. I was going to say maybe a little forward for little, me. Is like the little, fruit. Yeah, a little mm-hmm. fruit. But yeah, that toffee, that toffee and kind of chocolate finish at the back end mm-hmm. is, uh, mm. yeah. Ah, yeah. Buffalo Trace, baby. Welcome back, <laughs> Buffalo Trace. Welcome back. This is what's in the decanter 98% of the time. Mm. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, in order to, so Jameson and I don't, don't go off the rails on you guys on, on, the, <laughs> on the conversation because we could do that from time to time. Um, basically... We want to we wanna kind of just break down. I know we said what, what it was about and what, what the basic questions are. Yeah, the uh, overarching theme that we want to talk about I feel, is, is twofold, right? Number mm-hmm. one, people are saying that because of the multiple listing service that essentially brings together smaller brokerages listings all into one place, mm-hmm. the, the, um, one of the plaintiffs are essentially saying that it leads to price fixing yep. of commissions. Mm-hmm. Not of houses, but of commissions. Okay. Um, and then, and because of that, they also believe that it is essentially looped the sellers of a house into paying not only the listing agent, but also the buyer's agent. Yep. Right. And we're going to kind of break that down because there's some misinformation we've talked about before, but I think it highlights in this specific area. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, what I want to talk about honestly is, is let's say it does go through. Right. Yep. And there's two different, um, uh, outcomes that could happen. Number one, the MLS goes away. Yep. Okay. And then number two, buyer's agents are no longer uh, paid by the listing agent's brokerage. Yep. And what is that fallout? What could it potentially look like? Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's kind of what I wanted to go through Okay. Um, to break it down for you guys. But yeah. I think, you know, again, the overarching theme is the way that real estate works in mm-hmm. 98% of the United States um, and Canada actually is they use a multiple listing service. Yep. So if you guys remember back in the day, um, We've talked about this before. Like, go to the mountain towns, yep. and you go to like the Keller Williams office, mm-hmm. and they've got the magazines with all of the Keller Williams listings, yep. right? Well, if I am not in that mountain town and visiting that specific brokerage, I don't know those homes exist, hmm. right? Yeah. I just don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was that was the way it was for a very long time, yep. right? And there's always been multiple brokerages. Keller Williams, there's Remax, there's Compass, there's Fathom, which Berkshire. we're part of, um, Berkshire Hathaway, like. Hundreds and hundreds, right? Mm-hmm. But their agents and the brokerages own the listings, yep. right? So if I go out via Fathom and I have a listing, that listing is owned by my brokerage. With an MLS, we put that into the multiple listing service. In this case, we use RE Colorado here in Denver. And any agent that has access to that MLS sees my listing being advertised, mm-hmm. can schedule showings, can look at uh, information, so on and so forth. Yep. Right? Yeah. Um, that's how it works. Yeah. So the argument is that price fixes. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it's in that vein, right? And, and I, think it's, I think it's funny. If they want to say having, having the, the multiple listing service creates virtually a monopoly. Right. Right. What is, is it not the same thing as like Antique Roadshow? Right. Right. Like <laughs> Antique Roadshow, everybody knows. That's where we get our valuations. That's, that's 
that's great. It, it, they set they set the price on these things. So yeah. is that not is that not a monopoly? Yeah, other people can sell it. Just like Correct. hey, other people don't have to list on yes. the MLS, but you're at a significant disadvantage because yes, as Jameson stated, not only do you get on a a national well a statewide platform in in states, but you get information mm-hmm. like quality checked information. Yeah, so you have verified information. Verified, yeah. That by if state, it is, county. It is found as inaccurate, the individual that lists, lists that property can now be held accountable. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so it, it becomes a, it becomes a thing of, you know, at the end of the day, and, and this is something that I, that I wanted to, you know, talk about is I, I asked Jameson the question, at, at what point, do, at what amount of money does a business have to make? Right. In order for something like a commission or, or how much money they're taking from you to just kind of be whispers in the wind, right? And what I mean by that is you have realtors, you have photographers, you have, I mean, shit, people who build custom woodworking tables, right? You see it on TikTok all the time. Software now. companies. Software Medical companies. Medical sales. Right? That these, these people, well, and that, like the bigger ones, right? I'm talking about companies that have a specific face, right? right. Like, right, right, like right. one person. Yes. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what I'm saying is it's a lot easier for somebody to go, hey, man, I see you and I know you're taking my money. So therefore, I don't like that you're taking my money. Correct. Yes. But perfect example, I have, everybody has car insurance, right? And what I just experienced recently was a 50% jump in my annual premium. So I reached out and again, not going to call out names, but they're supposed to hold me in their hands, you know? And I reached out and asked them, hey, what the hell's going on? I, I, I didn't change anything, nothing updated. And what they said to me was, well, sorry, it's costing more for us to cover premiums at this time. So we're charging you more. At, okay. And, and then I go, well, what, what are you going to do for me? What kind of discounts do I have? Uh, sorry, we, we, don't, we don't have any discounts for you. Okay. So now why isn't there well, a hey, class action lawsuit? Well, hey, can you, can you just, just cancel your insurance? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, you're right. That's, it's right? that easy. You can cancel right? it and mm-hmm. then just not have insurance on your car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that how it works? That, exactly how it works. Right? Right? Especially if you have like a loan on your car. Yes. Yeah. Then I, it gets repossessed. Mm-hmm. So if we want to talk about like racketeering, yeah. well, <laughs> you're saying that the banks are forcing people to get insurance on an asset because they kind of own that asset, which then forces you to get insurance. And then the insurance can turn around and go, hey, you know what? We're going to raise your rates by a hundred bucks. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, or sorry, hundred percent yeah. annually. And you can't go then cancel it. I don't care. You can cancel it and go somewhere else, mm-hmm. but all insurance companies follow each other as far as rates go. So you may get a little bit of discount here, which <laughs> is not negotiable, mm-hmm. but you have the choice to yep. use somebody else. Mm-hmm. The MLS, what the argument is, is it forces individuals to use an agent to buy or sell a house because that is the only way they get access to the available properties. That's what the argument is. Yeah. And, right? and, that's, and, and at the same time, let's go back to Wild Wild West. Right? That's the argument though. Right? That's what it is. And, and it goes, okay, that's great. So, hey, Jameson, does does the MLS when you list require public remarks based on the property? Yes. Does it does it require to to for you to tell like how many how much square footage there is if yep. there's been any liens on the property, taxes, anything yep. like that? Yep. Are you held accountable for that? Mm-hmm. If I just go to Joe Blow down the street and we have a bill of sale, that's a legal tendered bill of sale. State of Colorado, as long as it's got signatures on it. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> virtually what that means is people wanna people wanna fight for the ability to get screwed on a deal. Oh, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I mean, we talked about this, right? Real estate in general is a very, it shouldn't be, 
very emotional transaction, mm -hmm. right? And I think you hit the nail on the head where people, when they buy or sell a house, especially when they sell a house, they go, they watch their money disappear, right? Yep. And then that's on purpose because, mm -hmm. you know, back in, I think it was 20, 2017, 2018, I forget which administration it was. I know Trump had a piece of it and then Biden repealed it because he wants to do his own investigation. But it made the MLS disclose what the commission was, mm -hmm. right? And then when we go to the closing table, there's line items that show the commission, yep. right, for what's being said. So if mm -hmm. I'm selling my house, I have line items that I have to go through to verify what my actual uh, net proceeds are. And part of that is not only the commission to the listing agent, but the commission to the buyer's agent because the listing agent splits that with the buyer's agent. Mm -hmm. And oh, by the way, the commission that you charge or that I charge a seller is negotiable. Yep. Right? Hold on, hold on, hold on. I want to, I want that to be repeated, highlighted, bolded. Go, say it again. It is negotiable. Okay. Negotiable. So <laughs> if, if, if we want to throw it up on the screen, maybe the yeah. definition of negotiable, yeah. mm -hmm. what it means is if you are using a product or service, you can negotiate, AKA have a discussion between two individuals as to the value that you are willing to pay mm -hmm. and the value that they are willing to give you yep. based on price. Yep. That is what it is, right? Well, and so can you turn around and sell a house for a dollar in commission? You could. Yeah, absolutely. Would you? Probably not because no. we put in a shit ton of work and mm -hmm. marketing dollars and all sorts of different things. And just like any other profession, we charge for our expertise, our advice, our guidance, uh, our contract knowledge, everything else. But there's a reason that you have flat rate listing fees where somebody yep. goes, hey, I'm going to sell your house for 1%. Great. You can mm -hmm. use those people. Yep. Are you going to have the best experience? I don't know. You can go to, you know, a Jiffy Lube or you can go to the house down the street that has 47 cars <laughs> in the backyard. <laughs> it might be $7 to change that oil, mm -hmm. $100 a Jiffy Lube, but there's a reason that people choose Jiffy Lube over that person. Yep. Right? Mm -hmm. Like that's what it is. And 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 I think the the argument of well, you know, you guys are holding out listings the reason it's consolidated is what we touched on earlier. If it wasn't consolidated, it would be up to every single brokerage individually to list their homes on some sort of internet website. Mm -hmm. Now, I know what people are saying. They're going to say, fuck you guys. We have Zillow and Redfin. Mm -hmm. Fun fact, ladies and gentlemen, where do Zillow and Redfin get their information from? If you look at a, if you look at a listing on Zillow, scroll down. Maybe about, move your finger on the scroll button, like six inches. And it'll say there, listing from MLS, MLS number 6779366, whatever, Correct. Ari Colorado at the bottom. They get all of their information from the MLS. So that's another point to bring up too is, yeah, this is great to, to have this, but again, the MLS is so intertwined into the real estate industry as a whole. You have multi-million dollar companies that rely 45% of their business sure. on the structure of an MLS because these companies can guarantee the people that use them that the information is correct, it is trustworthy, right? And it just comes down to a point where now, now you're getting like, okay, cool. So if, if agents have the ability to negotiate why, then, then why, why does everybody pay different, you know, right. different percentages? We have a standard in the industry, right? Most agents agree five to six percent is is okay. And then, well, a lot of people don't know is that's split. 
between the seller's agent and the buyer's agent, right? Correct. And that's where a lot of these, these people are up in arms and going, well, why is the buyer's agent getting anything? Well, because they have the client, they showed the property, they did the research on the property, they brought you the client so you could sell your house. So, yes. And here's, <laughs> here's there, and there's a couple of statistics. I think they're a little bl- a bit blown out of proportion, right? The reason that a listing agent is offering a buyer's agent compensation is to bring interest to the property, mm-hmm. okay? So, in my head, I think this is a funny argument, right? Overall, what the argument is is, well, if, you know, all that does is it entices or encourages sellers to negotiate a higher listing commission because the, the adage is, well, if, I'm, if I see a house at 2.8% mm-hmm. versus one that's giving a buyer's agent 2.5%, the buyer's agent isn't going to show their client the house that has the lesser commission. Yeah. Number one, I say that's if you're doing that as an agent, get the fuck out of the industry. Yeah, leave. First off, like leave. fuck off. You're not, you're, leave. You're service industry folks. We're, I've, we're sold, for I've sold Lennar new construction homes that pay me a, a 1% mm-hmm. on a 12-month transaction that I had to argue with the sales agent, the construction crew, the soup, everything. The warranty mm-hmm. person over 12 months, I got paid 1% on a $500,000 home. That's five grand over 12 months. Break that shit down, right? Yep. Doesn't matter. If you're doing that, get, get out. I don't leave. You, you are the problem. Yep. You are the problem. Look mm-hmm. in the mirror. You're the problem. There is some data that says that the higher the buyer's agent commission, the faster the home sells. Ironically, it didn't show us when that data was from. Mm-hmm. I would argue right now, with the limited amount of inventory we are experiencing and will be experiencing, I don't think that matters much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay? I really, I really yeah. don't. I don't think it matters much. Um, so, to me, that's not really an argument. Mm-hmm. Uh, because at the end of the day, again, it's negotiable, right? So, if the, listing, if, the, if the seller goes, hey, here's the deal. I know you charge 6%. I'd like you to list my house for 5 because I want to make X amount of money on the proceeds. Okay? At that point, then a discussion takes place and me as a listing agent will go, well, for 6%, here's everything you get. Here's the proof of concept, proof of work. Here's the marketing. Here's everything I'm going to be doing for you. If you don't believe that is worth 6%, then let's talk about it, right? And now it gives both parties a choice to go, you know what? I don't believe it's 6%. I want 5% or I'm going to find somebody else to list your house. At that point, I can decide as an agent, okay, I'm either going to walk away because I know what my worth is and what I bring to the property and to the to my client, or I say, yeah, you know what? Let's how about we do this? We'll go five point three percent. Just like I don't know, you would negotiate the price on your fucking house when somebody makes an offer. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, like, absolutely. If you list at six hundred thousand, somebody goes, hey, you know what? We'll, we'll offer five fifty. Mm-hmm. Does the seller get all up in arms? Yeah. Why? Because they didn't do anything to the house. It's, it's their money. But they didn't do anything to the house. But it's their money. I want. Yeah, but know. they didn't. All they're doing is making on-time payments, which, by the way, if you don't, your house gets taken away from you by the bank, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Well, I, I'm an, I need to make this amount. Okay, well, did you do anything to the property? Yep. Did you add in, <laughs> I don't know, Corian or mm-hmm. granite or quartz or Italian marble from Tuscany? Did you redo the cabinets You least? know what I'm saying? Change like, the front door? What at the do? end of the day, mm-hmm. the negotiations on both sides. So yep. as a seller, if you're getting frustrated that you're having to give away a percentage of your money, and we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. don't use an agent. Don't. For sell. sale by owner. Do it. Right? And And... And on average, for sale by owners, lose They're more than what the commission yeah, is seven exactly. to ten percent. Seven to ten percent versus five point six percent. And again, and I know, I know that once we post this and we clip it out, it, there's going to be a slew of you guys in the comments. Yeah. And what I want to tell you is, come on, let's talk. 
I want to have this conversation. Well, it's going to turn into the whole idea of real estate agents don't do anything. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. That's, that's just what it is. Mm -hmm. And again, my, the whole purpose is, are there people that can go through a real estate transaction from start to finish by themselves with no help whatsoever, or to maybe hire a lawyer at a hourly rate to help them just write the contract out? Sure. Like that's, that's fine. Right. You know, what we you can do? do that. What people don't understand is it is a service industry yeah. and the people that want to use our services will pay for those services. You don't have to. There's nothing in the Constitution of the United States that says if you <laughs> want to sell a piece of real estate, you have to use a realtor. Right. No, Specifically, Jameson Armos, Fathom Realty. My phone number is down below. <laughs> anyway. There's nothing in there that says that. You don't mm -hmm. have to use us, right? But it is a convenience factor. Yes. If you want to go on Zillow yourself, I just told you, Zillow pulls every single one of their listings from the MLS. Mm -hmm. So you don't need an agent to access the MLS. Yeah. You go on Zillow and Redfin, you set up your little alerts on what you're looking mm -hmm. for and you heart things and whatever and it gives you an alert. This is a price drop. This is recommended. I get them day in and day out. I, as an agent, use Zillow and Redfin all the time to yep. help my clients, right? Because mm -hmm. I just like the app more. Our app sucks. It's shitty, <laughs> right? It is what it is. But what I will do is I will then verify what Redfin has with the MLS because I know that it's accurate. Yes. And the world in which an MLS doesn't exist means that every individual brokerage is now responsible for the accuracy of their information. And there is a lot of agents that are individual that don't have brokerages. So yep. now you're relying on individuals that can turn around and say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to get in trouble. I know this is really a three-bedroom, mm -hmm. but I need people to come look at it. So I'm going to list it as a four-and-a-half or a four-bedroom with three-and-a-half yeah. baths versus a three-bedroom, two-bath. Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to list the square footage as finished, but the basement's actually unfinished. And then you as a consumer will go out there, and let's say you also don't want to use a buyer's agent, and you go look at this house, and now it's just two individuals <laughs> fighting over the accuracy <laughs> that they found in a magazine because there's not a centralized location for all this information to be verified, right? So mm -hmm. just a couple of things to highlight. I'm gonna, we're going to throw this graphic on the screen. But here is kind of a, 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 a give and take of what the world looks like when we do have consolidated market yep. information and what it doesn't. So you go from having the largest database of available homes to no centralized source of available homes. Mm -hmm. You have the most up-to-date home status information. You have outdated home status information. You go from maximized visibility of homes for sale, which means you as a consumer can search as many homes as you absolutely want. Again, using Zillow and Redfin because they pull from the other information. They don't have the capacity to reach out to every individual broker in the United States and mm -hmm. find out what houses are listed. It would take way too much time. To fewer homes for buyers to choose from on real estate websites. What's that going to do? Well, that's going to probably make prices unaffordable, I would assume, mm -hmm. right? Uh, oh, and if you, live in, if you live on the East Coast and want to buy a house in the middle of the country... Good luck. You better drive there. Yep. You better right? drive to look at it. Uh, verified, trusted, detailed, and accurate property information versus unverified, inaccurate, and unreliable property information. Facilitate co cooperation between buyer and seller brokers versus buyer and sellers would likely have to pay to list on the website, which mm -hmm. means if you are a seller, you would have to then pay an extra fee to just get listed on a website mm -hmm. and you would be reaching half the contingency that you need to, which means your house is going to sell for less. Yep. That's important. Uh, equal opportunity for all home buyers and sellers. I'm going to come back to this one. Uh, residents without access to brokerages would have fewer options. 100%. Right? If I want to move to Steamboat Springs, like Charlie just said, and we know work from home is going to remain a thing. Mm -hmm. Migration is going to remain a thing. Climate change is going to push people in different areas. How am I supposed to know what houses are available if I don't have a centralized source that I can yep. look up via Zillow or Redfin if I'm moving from Colorado to South Carolina, right? And then um, the last one, level playing field between large and small brokerages which that fosters competition mm -hmm. and, again, gets rid of the idea of a monopoly. 
versus markets become broker controlled. So what that means is if I'm in a region where Keller Williams is big, they're going to have all the listings. So now yeah. if I'm a seller and I don't want to pay Keller Williams fee because now they can charge whatever they want. Whatever they want. Oh, you know what? Our brokerage is the biggest in the Southeast United States. For you to list on our website, it's $7,000. Mm-hmm. Well, you can go to the smaller brokerage and list it for 50 bucks. Nobody's going to see it. Well, and the thing that the thing that I love about it, and you touched on it earlier, is that you know it, we're on commission because we're not hourly. You, you guys, I please, if we we broke it down a little bit on the show before, you don't want us to be hourly. No, you don't, because especially in in states where the average home price is below four hundred thousand dollars, those agents are putting in way more hours than the commission that they're earning on that house. Well, and think about it. Let's say we do go hourly and mm-hmm. we do have a decentralized MLS system, right? Yeah. So we now have to drive around. Mm-hmm. I'm charging you for that. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny to me because it's the same people that, that, that say, I want my money, that when you talk to them about the United States being capitalistic and a free market, they go, yeah, United States, America, free market. Okay, but when it affects your pocket, it's not right. Correct. You, you don't like it then. Right. Right? And uh, it just, it, it comes down to a point where y- y- you start questioning like, hey, what, what, do, what do you want to, what's, what's, your, what's your point here? Are you, are you trying to make a point that you want, you want more money? Right. Because at the end of the day, you're going to make, if you're agent, again, in a place that doesn't, you're going to make an extra $5,000. Cool. But again, if you don't use an agent, that $5,000 that you're going to save. Correct. You're going to spend to market the property, to clean the property. And guess what? You're going to have to find the cleaner. You're going to have to find the, 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 the worker. The, the, handyman, the handyman, the roofing company. The landscaping. You have to take time to <laughs> like, find those individuals. It's, it's, and, and the thing that blows my mind is so many of these people, you know, you'll be driving down the highway and you have this, we will, sell, we will market your home and only take 1%. How in the world do you think that these businesses are able to take 1%. What do you think that they're doing to you? Could cost. Right? So, but again, business. This mm-hmm. is not just a company that's going, I'm a magical you know, little leprechaun and I'm going to save you money. No, what they're doing is they're offering you lower on the house to make it more convenient for Correct. you to sell the house. And they're targeting you and bringing you in with, I'm only going to take 1%. Okay. Or if you're talking about a service industry, right? Let's say you do have a brokerage that is very busy at 1%. How do you think their customer services if you need something? Exactly. Right? If they have 50 houses listed at the same time, you're not going to What do you them. get? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like and in order for me to make what I make now, if I listed at 1%, I'd have to sell three times as many houses, which is great. I could do it. Yep. But my customer service and my attention to detail mm-hmm. is going to go through the window because yep. I'm reviewing 30 contracts at a time mm-hmm. and having 80 like it's just it's yep. not a feasible thing and then, by the way, the 1% pays one percent to the listing agent, but still pays two and a half percent to the broker's agent, the buyer's agent. Which really now you're at three and a half, four percent on any of those flat listing fees. So it's not actually one percent. That's a whole conversation. Yeah. But mm-hmm. that brings us to the next fallout piece of this, which mm-hmm. is if this is successful, yep. and they rule that the seller does not need to pay the buyer's agent. Mm-hmm. Okay, who pays the buyer's agent? It's going to come down to the to the buyers, the buyer. And guess what? You guys are already struggling to come up with money to buy a house. Hey, thanks for the layup. So, uh, what Charlie just said. <laughs> Setting it up. Oh, totally set it up. Off, off, off the backboard. Oh, totally set it up. I just got to <laughs> find it. Um, keep talking. I'll get back to it. But, yeah. So, while Jameson looks for that, I mean, that, that's, the, again, guys, there's, there's flip side to each coin, right? And 
how many people have gone with these gone with these businesses, these companies, and had horrible experiences right. specifically because of the reason of attention, yes. detail, and again, a money-driven mentality. Yes. So back to why it's bad if buyers have to pay their own buyer agent, right? Mm -hmm. One of the reasons, one of the positive reasons that comes out of sellers paying both agents is because, especially now, it makes it cheaper for a buyer to get into a house, okay? Mm -hmm. It just does, right? Yep. Um, because they don't have to pay the buyer's agent. It's yep. built into the cost of the home, you could say, mm -hmm. but realistically, it's a market thing, so it's yeah. a little complicated, but if you wanna make that argument, you can, that it's built into the cost of the house, right? So yes, technically, if you don't use a buyer's agent, whatever that percentage is, you might be able to mark down the price, whatever, mm -hmm. okay? But now, let's say, let's say I'm a buyer, and I don't wanna work with an agent. We've had this happen, and I've only seen it happen successfully with no hiccups, like twice. Um, buyer comes in, you're listing a house. Mm -hmm. They say, hey, we just want to work directly with the, with the listing agent. Okay, why? Well, because I can usually negotiate a discount. The listing agent doesn't have to pay a buyer's agent, so I can usually take that extra 25 to 2.8% off the price of the home, and I, I can get a deal. Okay, awesome. So what happens is the buyer then starts talking to the listing agent. Well, the listing agent has a fiduciary duty because we are realtors associated with NAR and Denver Metro Association of Realtors and all these different things. My fiduciary duty is to the seller. I cannot in good conscience or ethically or technically, like legally, give advice to the buyer yep. because I am signed with the seller. The way I can do that is if I turn myself into a transaction broker, right? Mm -hmm dual agent in some states. There are certain states that don't even allow that yep. because it gets you into a mess of trouble. And essentially mm -hmm. you become a paper pusher, but both parties want your advice, yep. right? The seller's gonna say, should I do this on the inspection? You can say, I don't know, do you wanna do this on the inspection? The buyer says, should I ask for this on the inspection? You go, I don't know, do you wanna ask for it on the inspection? What, what do you think this house is worth? I don't know, what do you think this house is worth? Now what happens, right? Now you're just in this mess and there's contracts involved. Well, what do you think about these exclusions? Do you think this is a mistake? I'm not really sure. Okay, right? What if it's a security system? What if it's appliances? And let's say as a buyer, you're not using an agent and you sign a contract and you thought the appliances were included and all of a sudden we get through, the seller took the appliances because they were not included and now you're throwing a fit. Who are you going to bitch to? Oh man, you know what? Dude, I bought this house specifically because I wanted to, I wanted to build an accessory unit mm -hmm. on my property in order for my, for my mother to move in because she's been struggling and I'd really love to have her here. But I bought this house and, and the codes say that I can't, I can't build here. Yep. What, what do I do? Well, sell the house. Sell it. Right? Yeah. The other piece of this is financially. Okay. So mm -hmm. on average, the typical American household has an average amount in their bank accounts. What do you think that average amount is? $5,000. 5,300 bucks. Got him. Woo. Okay. <laughs> $5,300. What's an average down payment on a house at 3.5%? <clears throat> 12, 13, 15, 14, yeah. $15,000. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now let's say I have to pay a buyer's agent and let's say I need to negotiate and I say, well, I'll pay you 1% of whatever the, the purchase price is of this house. Okay. Mm -hmm. Cause that's what you have to do or a flat fee. Yep. Something. Mm -hmm. um, or well, hourly. What? <laughs> or hourly. Or hourly. Right. <laughs> so now what's happening is from a buyer standpoint, now I'm shelling out more money. Not only do I need to cover closing costs, and a down payment, mm -hmm. and potentially appraisal gaps, depending on where the market goes. But mm -hmm. now I gotta pay somebody mm -hmm. to help me get into a house where we know that credit card debt just hit a trillion dollars, right? Yep. Average household is 5,300 bucks in their bank, which mm -hmm. by the way, that's paycheck, paycheck to paycheck. Yep. So 
let's say now you've got buyers that are so financially strapped that they cannot pay a buyer's agent. Therefore, not comfortable buying a home because there are, I mean, every time I sell a house, the, I, I said minimum five disclosures yep. that have to be looked over minus the contract to buy and sell mm-hmm. along with the inspection and the appraisal period and the title search and all of these different things, right? That again are set in stone by. Okay. The, yep. Mm-hmm. Right. So now the buyer goes, well, I can't, I'm just going to rent. Okay. So now you're going to rent. Now every, every buyer is going to rent. So now where does demand go? <laughs> falls off, it falls off a cliff, right? Nowhere there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now the seller is complaining that they're not making enough money and we're paying too much commission. Well, that house that you just listed at 600 because there are no buyers available because nobody wants to pay somebody to help them go through this transaction because now they're being forced to, mm-hmm. much like the sellers think they're being forced to pay commission. Anyway, different story. <laughs> uh, now your $600,000 house because there's no demand and inventory creeps up is worth $500,000. Yep. So congratulations, you just lost 100 grand because you didn't want to pay $13,000 to a buyer's agent. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, it's, it's just, economics. That's yeah, it. 100%. But it, and it also just comes down to the, like, the mine mentality, right? You know, it, it, call JG, you went to work, they tell me Like, it's my money and I want it now. Correct. Right? And, and because ultimately that's what it is, is we talk about it all the time. This is one of the largest investments, money, bits of money that normal people are going to see in their lifetime, right? And to, to pass off a check or to, excuse me, buyers don't even have to pass off the check, but if to pass off that, it hurts. I get that. I understand that you're seeing it go, but again, what you're paying for is so much more valuable on just the services versus being able to sell the home. You know, and this this market is a perfect example because at the end of the day, with the limited amount of inventory that we have, if you're a buyer and you're coming to a house, and we didn't talk about this, you're coming up in competition on a house. The other thing that that keeps the competition fair across the board is the fact that the seller is going to pay every single one of these buyers agents the exact same thing. So nobody gets Correct. a fair a fair shot. It's not it's not unfair. And by the way. We can't collude like that I, no. there, because of because of the association, because of what we have. I can't strictly say, "Hey, if you're not if you're not using this agent, I'm going to charge you extra." Mm-hmm. I, I can't legally do that. Agents can't legally do that. Correct. But if we go back to the wild, wild west, where it there is no regulation to it, which is virtually what this litigation is pushing, you guys are screwed. Yeah, because <laughs> because then I can now corner the market and go. Yeah, you can only, I'm only going to sell this house to this agent. Yeah, but he's going to charge me $5,000 because, and this other agent's only going to charge me 1000 I don't care. I want you to use that agent because that's the agent I want. You can't do anything about it. Yep. Like, it's just, it's one of those things where I get it. Like, I, I understand, like, the money, the money moving hurts a little bit, but it's, it's, it's what you get for the cost. Well, and it's, it's funny because this all started as people started to see these home values rise. Right? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. And now all of a sudden, like if I had a house that was $400,000 and I paid a 5.6% commission or whatever it is, you know, that's X amount, call it $30,000 roughly. And now all of a sudden my house two years later is worth $500, dollars mm-hmm. Well, in my head, I, I made 180 grand. But now you're telling me I have to pay the same percentage, not $180,000. The real estate agent didn't do anything to make my house worth $680,000. Cool. Neither did you. Yep. You just live there. Yep. That was it. And you, you are now talking about <laughs> unrealized gains mm-hmm. in an argument to say, well, this is not fair and they're paid too much and blah, blah, blah. Now, mm-hmm. again, we, we've said this before, right? Are there realtors and agents that are not worth a damn? 
that are shitty, that are unscrupulous. Ooh. Right? There he is. Um, yes, there are. We've mm-hmm. dealt with them. Charlie could tell a story right now, honestly, if you wanted to, but we don't have time. <laughs> uh, but that's what the board's there for, so mm-hmm. that you, as a consumer, can report it. Yep. And you can get them out of there. And I'll, I'll tell you what, as this market gets tougher, you're going to see a lot of agents, a lot of the ones that aren't in it for the right reasons, drop out. Mm-hmm. Right? They, they just will. Yep. Doesn't mean that your take-home proceeds should change because you feel like somebody else is making too much money. Yes. Like, but I'm, but, I'm sorry. But again, At the end that's of the day, I go back. do I think, do I think, I don't know, dude, uh, UPS, okay? UPS drivers. Yeah. Their union just mm-hmm. negotiated. You can make up to $170,000 as a UPS driver, okay, to deliver packages. Mm-hmm. And my uncle is a UPS driver for a very long time, respected the grind, respected the hustle. Is it a $170,000, $180,000 job? I don't know. I was never part of it. Mm-hmm. I'm not mad about it because at the end of the day, if I'm that mad, I'll go out and I'll get hired by UPS and I'll go be a driver. Yep. Well, and that, that's my point. Again, it's, it comes back to the like, at what point, at what point does the business get large enough to where you don't care? Right. Because you, you see it so often. And I mean, like photographers, any of my photographer friends out there, how often do you hear, well, I can go over here because this person's mm-hmm. going to charge me less. Cool. Are they going to spend five hours editing your photos? Right. Are they going to make sure that they have the right lens and aperture ISO for the photo and where you are? No, you're paying for a specialty, right? And it's so much easier for people to look at an individual Correct. that's making money yes. and go, I don't want you to make that money. But now take the individual away from it and you're dealing with a corporation that Correct. you can't talk to. Right. You, they, you're going to call, they're going to hang up the phone, they're not even going to answer you. Exactly. Right? And, and so, again, it just comes down to the point of like, people are going to complain just regardless of what happens. Because it's, a, it's, a, it's an emotional transaction. That's mm-hmm. literally what it is. And it hits their pockets. Yep. And that's where all this is coming from. But again, my thought is, you know, you, two things happen, right? So if the buyers have to get paid by the buyer's, or sorry, the buyer's agent has to get paid by the buyer, well, that agent's got to hang his license somewhere. Mm-hmm. So those fees are going to be higher. So that means what they're asking from the buyer is going to be probably similar to what it is now. Yep. The only difference is now the seller doesn't have to pay for it. Mm-hmm. But again, if the buyer can't afford that fee, then the buyer's not going to go to that house. The, the, sell, the house isn't going to sell. It's not going to sell. <laughs> exactly. And then you're going to mm-hmm. take the price drop anyway because mm-hmm. your house is sitting on the market for 75, 80 days. Yep. Come, you know, combine that with the fact that now if it's not a centralized database mm-hmm. and I'm a individual that can't afford a buyer's agent, how am I going to find your house? Yep. I can drive around. Now I'm, gas is $4 a gallon, so that's not going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I can browse on the web. Well, you can't use Zillow and Redfin because they're not going to They're not going to have They're going to consolidate all that shit because that's their entire business model and mm-hmm. it's, physical, it's it's impossible it's for them to do so right unless, now, right? Unless they charge you buku bucks. Exactly. And then you're also going to have people that are going to refuse to list their properties as sellers mm-hmm. because if it's not a, a not a mandate, I don't want to say a uh, you know, a conglomerate that's been put together to, to give kind of free market access, the sellers, yeah, you, you took a hit on uh, not, or you, you, you took the win on not having to pay your buyer's agent. But if you're in a small market and Remax is the only place in that small market that lists properties mm-hmm. and you want to sell your property, now you have to pay a premium. So what if you, cool, I didn't have to pay this person 10000 mm-hmm. or 5000 10000 but I got to pay this website 5000 and it's only going to get blasted to this very specific area, in which case now I'm going to lose fifteen thousand on the sale of my house because I don't have enough interest. Cool, you saved ten grand, you lost twenty. But and, and again, that the other thing that we had that we really haven't I feel like driven home as we mentioned 
percentage on commission is negotiable. Correct. Jameson, is there a cap on that percentage? No. Oh, so wait, wait, wait. So what you're telling me is now if that doesn't change along with the fact that the buyers, the seller pays the commission, now you can have these large companies, Remax, that do have resources say, okay, we're going to charge you 10% because we have to pay to market. We have to pay for the website. We have to pay for all this because the MLS is not there. Like, and it just, it's just so funny to me that like, it's two people who went, you took my money <laughs> that have now been held, Dude, a, held up for the last two years. Blows my mind. And, and it's projecting to last at least another three until there's a conclusion. Blows my so mind. these people are now spending money. The money that they complained about losing. Right. To fight this. Well, think about it like, uh, <laughs> shit, dude. Think about it like Expedia. Mm -hmm. Right? So what has Expedia done to the travel industry? It has forced the big companies, United, Delta, Frontier, whoever, mm -hmm. to now get aggressive to win back customers. Yep. Because there is a centralized area that I can search any flight anywhere at any time. Mm -hmm. Right? Well, it gets more eyeballs onto those flights. It benefits everybody involved, including the consumer. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's it. Oh, by the way, if you go on Expedia and you're not in incognito mode and you do two searches for the same destination, guess what happens? Well, they, do they sell your data? Uh-huh. Oh, and then really? all of a sudden, the next time you look, the price is up. It's weird. Oh, yeah, Nobody's it's... complaining about that because mm -hmm. it's not a face. Exactly. We don't do that. I, exactly. The price of the house doesn't change no matter how many. You can look at the, the same house on Redfin, on Zillow, on Trulia, on the MLS, <laughs> uh, on Homes.com, Realtor.com, and it's always the same price mm -hmm. no matter what. It's yep. a commodity. It's an asset, right? You guys want to get mad, go talk to Expedia or Kayak. And mm -hmm. I've seen this. Like, yeah. you can literally look at the same flight on two different days mm -hmm. for the same date. And all of a sudden it goes up. Mm -hmm. It goes up. It yep. goes up. Right? We don't even have that problem. No. You guys are just mad. And again, if you're mad, I get it. Like, I'm not trying to call anybody out. I would just encourage you to then be a part of the, the, the population that sells for sale by owner and yep. pay the MLS to list your house, which you can do. Mm -hmm. And then you can negotiate everything from that point on from yep. the start to the finish. You handle your showings, you get it on showing time or on broker bay. You handle the phone calls, you handle the questions, you figure out your title company, your title company calls and says, Hey, there's an HOA lien on this property. I need you to go look it up. You go do that. You negotiate the price. You look at the inspection objections. You type up inspection. Oh, you can't do that? Cool. Hire a lawyer. They can do that. Again, it'll be cheaper than hiring a real estate agent. Promise you. Right? But what is your time worth? And mm -hmm. what is the protection worth? Mm -hmm. What is the advocacy worth? Yep. Right? I mean, there's some... There's <laughs> There's some clients that don't even want to that don't even want to give you what they want in a house. No. Just like, hey, help me find a house. Okay, what are you looking for? Well, I mean, two bath, three bath. Okay, cool. What kind of acreage do you want? Right. Do you want, you know, do, do you want Where? a two-car garage? Do you want to be able to park? How big do you want your do you want a backyard? Do you want it to be rocks? Do you want your backyard to just be rocks? Because I've seen that before. Or, you know, do you how many stories of the house? Do you want a ranch? You're like People don't want to do that. Right. And, and, and that is where, again, real, real, realtors, real estate agents, yep. realtors specifically come into play because, again, held accountable. And that's ultimately what, how it has to be. There's another, there's another reason I think people overlook because it's not, a, not necessarily a quantitative thing. But think about this, right? We are, we've talked already about how emotional a real estate transaction is. If mm -hmm. you're not an investor and you're buying a single family home for you and your family, and you're selling a single family home because you're upgrading, downgrading, moving, whatever. Extremely, extremely emotional. 
And I can't tell you guys how many times I've had a seller that I'm representing that I've had to pump the brakes on during a transaction, okay? Because they're upset about what came up in the inspection report or they're upset about something that the buyer said on a Nest Cam while they were touring the house <laughs> or whatever, okay? Yep, yep, now imagine yep. you've got that emotional side. Mm -hmm. Then you've got a buyer who's desperate to look for a house in a low inventory market, needs to move because they're eight months pregnant and they need an extra bedroom and the husband just got a new job that has them work from home and they need an office. And you just let those two people go at it and figure out how to do a real estate transaction. The murder-suicide rates would go through the roof. Whoa. HGTV. You know what I'm saying? HGTV. We got, I, got a, I, got a, I got a pitch idea for you. What if you did an entire show series where you just pluck two people off the street yep. and had them sell and buy a home? Right. It'd like, be a bloodbath. That would be amazing. It would be a bloodbath. I, I, that would be on par with like the yes. survival shows. It would be like celebrity deathmatch, <laughs> yeah. right? But yeah, real estate-wise. Real estate. But it would. Like, yeah. think about it, right? Absolutely. Now, there's mm -hmm. no buffer. It's not, no. hey, can you tell them this? Yep. It's, I'm going to call this person. Mm -hmm. And I've had clients, mm -hmm. no lie, who have said, I will just call them directly. No. no. Please, <laughs> Please, God, no. Do you do not understand what that is going to entail. Mm. Like, it would be excuse my lack of vocabulary, a shit show <laughs> if it turned into two people just bartering over a fucking house with everything people, else that's happening. Bro, have you looked at Facebook Marketplace? Oh my God, look at next door. <laughs> just look at next door. Look at next door. That's, that's literally it. Yeah, like right? next door, even I live in a living hell because you can't shut your dogs up at three o'clock in the morning. God damn it, Janice. I'm going to come over there with animal Facebook control. Marketplace I'm going to take it. This is a wild, is and a that's, wild, and that's just, wild that's just dogs barking. Yes. And next door goes, like, go look at next door. Mm. Go look at the, the majority of human beings on the internet <laughs> and then ask yourself, is it a good idea for those same human beings to directly negotiate with each other to buy and sell a home that they've lived in for the last 20 years? Just, just ask yourself that question. I feel like if you watch the news regularly, humans have been, have been displaying the fact that they can't, Bro, they can't communicate can effectively. You I'm like just running through, time. like I'm running through scenarios right now, like a final walk. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, "Oh my god, this carpet isn't vacuumed." And then they call up the seller, and they're yeah. like, "This is fucking bullshit." And the seller's yeah. like, "Fuck you, I'm not selling my house anymore." And they're like, "Well, you can't do that." And then they're looking around for answers, and they're like, "Oh wait, we don't have an agent or an attorney or anything to tell us what to do. We're just gonna fist fight." Yep. And it yep. turned into a cage <laughs> match. Whoever wins gets the fucking Take house. Take ten, ten paces. Turn you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, dude, oh, it would be <laughs> wild. Yep. I I would pay to see it. It would be wild. I would pay. I think we should. I'm gonna I'm gonna call you. I'm going to call the pitch because that be would be a show. But that is the future that you guys are envisioning mm -hmm. if this stuff comes to fruition. It yes. Just, it is, right? Mm -hmm. and yes, it's an extreme example, but I also look at it as a very slippery slope. And some of this is, is feasible. But again, it's, like, it's a web. If this, was, if this was 50, 70 years ago where it was just being established and coming up, cool, we can restructure you have an yeah, entire if I'm, industry. If I'm on the Oregon Trail and I'm like, I like this cabin, <laughs> yeah. and then Joe Bob's like, oh, okay, cool. I want to move out of this fucking place anyway. Yep. You go, cool. Here's a piece of paper, eight sheep and my daughter. I'm out. <laughs> exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. But now you've got yep. HOAs. You've mm -hmm. got mechanics liens. You've got bankruptcy. You've got mm -hmm. divorce proceedings. You've got court orders. You've got all this different stuff that's mm -hmm. involved in a real estate transaction. Yep. And you need, you need two parties that are fiduciarily bound to their mm -hmm. respective clients mm -hmm. to make sure that everybody gets what they want and nobody gets screwed. Yes. That's what you need. And then you need an overarching system to regulate that mm -hmm. because you want to make sure that as you are buying the most expensive asset you will in your life for the most part, that it's accurate, dude. Yes. It's mm -hmm. accurate. Like that's what you need. Mm -hmm. That's it. Absolutely. Mm. Lovely conversations. I'll tell you what. And I mean, 
Guys, please comment. Come at us. Give us a call. I would love to talk to you about this because this is a conversation that I would say I have at least once a month, maybe twice a month. Like, oh, well, I don't, agents are pointless. Okay. Like at, this, at this point, it's, then you start providing the, the facts and the information and they can't, they, oh, okay. All right. And they back down. Right. And, and it's, it's, this will be a forever fought battle yeah. because one individual is making money off of another individual. Yes. And, and that's just how the world turns is how it works. Understandable. But at the same time, like, I'm sorry. I said it earlier, 90% of the population of the United States is completely ignorant to the happenings and Dude, the I, process I'm of real still, estate. I can't get this, this <laughs> like, brawl in my head yes. happening in the living room yeah. because like, the seller decided at the last minute to take a TV that was wall mounted mm -hmm. and because it was attached to the property it was included in the inclusions, but they didn't look it over. Yep. And then like you've got two people just over an 85 inch <laughs> OLED yep. because it's a $3,500 television side side. and then the TV breaks in half and it's like, well, who's fucking responsible for this? <laughs> and then you and I are on the sidelines drinking Buffalo Trace going, don't know. Don't know. It's great do you guys, though. do you guys need some water? You want, you want a break? <laughs> no. All right, cool. Oh man. Wonderful. All right, Jameson, what, what else you got for him? Uh, no, I think that's it, man. I just, again, I, the, the whole, this episode was not, obviously we're, we're realtors, yeah. right? And we have our own opinion mm -hmm. and there's certain things that I love to bring as much unbiased information as I can. This one though has so many ramifications yes. to the marketplace as a whole, specifically home buyers and home sellers, yep. right? Like I, here's the deal guys. I think between Charlie and I, we have enough requisite skill sets to go find a job and do whatever we want and be successful. Mm -hmm. I do this and he does this because we enjoy helping people mm -hmm. navigate one of the most complicated transactions that they will ever have. Okay? Working with a young couple right now that is expecting a baby in November and the look on their faces when I told them that they have the ability to get into a place and they don't have to rent somewhere for $2,800 a month. That is why I do this job. Yeah. It's, it. I mean, it is right. Like mm -hmm. I helped a gentleman going through a nasty divorce to get out of his house and, and, and close that chapter of his life. Like there's reasons. Do we get paid well for what we do? Absolutely. I would encourage you if you look at this and go, man, I'd like to make X amount of money off of this home sale, then become a realtor. It's a $350 like, course here in Colorado, guys. And it's, but guess what? It's on you to finish that course. Correct. So <laughs> it's, it's on you. And, and I'm not trying to harp on this, but at the same time, like there are just certain things that I think are driven by ignorance that I have to call out. And yeah. I think this is one mm -hmm. of them, right? Do I think there's mm -hmm. shitty realtors in this industry? Yes. I've worked with them. Mm -hmm. And yes, they're fucking horrible. Mm -hmm. um, but if myself or the, the client they're working with reports them, they get held accountable, plain yep. and simple, right? Um, at the end of the day, as a consumer, you guys, and we've talked about it, right? Mm -hmm. You guys have to vet who you're working with, yep. ask for reviews, ask for referrals, really ask the, the, the tough questions about how an agent works and what their communication style is like and experience and all these different things. Um, and then make that choice, right? And at the end of the day, you guys have to understand you have the choice to just not use us. Mm -hmm. That's it. And there are people that I've met that have the capacity to do that and do it successfully and make money on their house and sell it and not be emotional, whatever. I speak about the majority mm -hmm. and the majority either cannot or they will not. Or have not had the means to learn appropriately Correct. to perform it. And what, we do, what do we say, right? On average, you go through a real estate transaction in your entire life three, three times. times. So there's just no way mm -hmm. that you guys can have the same skill set, knowledge, market background, et cetera, 
that somebody that's in the industry day in and day out nope. does, which is okay, right? That's mm-hmm. why I don't change my own fucking oil in my car, guys. Well, I mean, I will pay somebody like, for it. Could I do it? <laughs> yeah, give me a YouTube video, and I could probably figure it out. I just picture out. like Tony Hawk walking up to somebody with a skateboard, and be yeah. like, "Dude, hey, do a kickflip." Right? It might take <laughs> it might take me four hours, and I might stain the shit out of my garage, but mm-hmm. goddamn it, I'll change the oil. Or mm-hmm. I can go to a professional yep. and understand that he's going to do this plus check fluids plus do this everything else, hundred point whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm secure in my decision. Did yep. it cost me a hundred bucks when it could have cost me $37? Yes. Mm-hmm. But do I know when I get in my car, I'm good? Yes. Mm-hmm. Have I also ran into shitty oil change companies? hundred oh, yeah. percent. Right. Do I go back to those people? No. No. Do I refer them? No. Because that's it's the, your choice. That's the beauty of a free market <laughs> and yep. a capitalistic society is you guys can choose whoever the fuck you want. Mm-hmm. What you need to understand is you will still have this choice if all this that we talked about goes down. But those choices are going to be A, severely limited, yep. B, severely influenced. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden you're going, well, yep, I got my wish. I yep. just saved 10 grand, but mm-hmm. now I'm pigeonholed into using somebody that I don't choose. Yep. All right. I think this, I think this is a good time to, to move into the one rock takeaway for the episode. I'm going to... I'm going to one rock bash somebody in the head. <laughs> I'll take it first. All right. My one rock takeaway for this is a scenario. Okay. So... A scenario. A scenario. So... I'm excited. Let's say you have a craft beer or a bourbon that you guys like a lot, and you've been drinking it for five years, and the cost like has just been one, one bottle. Well, you know, well, multiple. You, you like, like the brand. brand, yeah? Right. I like the brand, right? So brand, so okay. brand. Yep. And now that brand all of a sudden gets bought out by Anheuser Busch, a huge or InBev, right? Because I think InBev, InBev owns Anheuser Busch. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, InBev, right? Yep. Is the first thought in your mind, wow, this is going to get so much better after they buy it? Or is the first thought, uh-oh. Sell out. I might, this stuff might get worse. And if that's your answer, reconsider how you think about what's going on with the whole NAR commission situation. It's my one rock take. I like it. I like that. That was a good metaphor. That was good. Man, I don't know how to follow that. Thanks. We're all getting angry. Um, yeah, right. For those of you not on video right now, the pondering is yeah, real. It's, yeah. I just, it's, I, I mean, it's a common theme for me, right, in my life uh, when I talk to people about large concepts. I just want you guys to take a step back and look at a real estate transaction as a whole, not from your specific buy and sell. Mm-hmm. But for the market as a whole, right? Look at the transaction, not the paycheck. Neither, I don't even say that. I would say look at the, look at the big picture, mm-hmm. right? Like everybody's goal is to increase value in a home. Why? Because it is the one asset that you will ever have. Check me on this. You will ever have that you can gain value from while living in it. Just sitting okay? and doing nothing. While living in it. Unless <laughs> some weird shit happens with the car market, okay, and you're living in your car, and for some reason your 1987 Tercel is like now worth $30,000, <laughs> okay? This is the only asset you're ever going to have that not only can you enjoy the benefits of it immediately and live in it, but it's going to grow in value. And, mm-hmm. and what I want to say is when you look at realtors, okay, our goal is to get you as much money as possible. By doing that means we want to sell your house for as much as possible. Mm-hmm. That in and of itself means that we want to bring your, the price of your home as high as possible. Mm-hmm. 
which is increasing your value. And if I increase your value, what do I do for the rest of the neighborhood with similar size houses? I increase their value. Mm -hmm. What happens if I continue to let this be a free market and to foster competition? It is only healthy for you guys. Mm -hmm. There is nothing good that I have seen, and I've been researching this now for like a month, just trying to figure out the ins and outs, that I've seen from a homeowner standpoint that benefits by lowering commission mm -hmm. or negating buyer's commission or getting rid of the MLS. I don't like short term. Yes. In one transaction, that's cool, dude. Like the one out of the three that you're going to have in your life, if you're going to save yourself 15 grand because of this, that's great. Right. Really? But think about now your kids, think about your grandparents, think about when you're old and you want to all of a sudden sell your house because I don't know, you mismanage your funds, your 401k went to shit. And the only thing that really appreciates year over year is land because you can't make more of it. And now all of a sudden, because of this decision now, in 20 years, you've actually lost $100,000 on your house mm -hmm. and you were relying on that to fund your retirement or you were relying on that to pass it down to your kids so they had an asset. Like there is so many more far reaching ripples that will happen if yeah. something like this goes down. Mm -hmm. And I want you guys to just take, just take a step back out of your own fucking shoes, look at it holistically mm -hmm. and go, you know what? maybe that's something I should consider. Don't, don't tell me I'm right or wrong, right? This is an opinion. This is my opinion. This is Charlie's opinion. Mm -hmm. You guys have your own opinions. But do the research and look at it outside of the individual standpoint and see what you guys come up with. Yeah. Whew. What an episode. Lovely. Thank God we had some Buffalo Trace. Last bottle, too. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. Last bottle on the shelf. Gotta love it. So I think it's time to move into the bourbon review. And Charlie, give us a rundown. What is our rock rating mean our rock rating is on a scale of one to ten and the whole idea behind it is the lower the number the better the bourbon the higher the number the worse the bourbon because the more water more rocks that you got to put into a bourbon most likely the worse that bourbon is so or the just harsh that bourbon is because you yeah, have story, oh, yeah, the, yeah. your 135 uh, well, proof see, that's a, that i had 135 proof uh the same weekend that i had the uh pappy? The, the pappy yeah and it's funny a group of six guys obviously all experienced bourbon drinkers if somebody's buying a bottle that's one out of 50, 135 proof. And everybody at the table took a sip of it, first sip. There was not one silent mouth at that table because everybody was, ooh, it's hot, right? And so it's like, it, it just comes down to the, to the thought of, again, to each their own, yes. right? And everybody's going to enjoy what they enjoy, how they enjoy it, especially when it comes to something like bourbon. Um, but... For Buffalo Trace, I mean, and again, this is trying to trying to remove myself from from my personal experience and stuff like that. Um, I think that Buffalo Trace, as we talk about it, normally like intro bourbons, right? If you were to put this in a decanter and take it take it somewhere, you and your friends would be able to have a good time. Whether you have are an experienced bourbon drinker or you drink bourbon rarely, somebody who drinks bourbon rarely, if if you bring this to them and they taste it and they don't see the bottle they're going to feel regal. They're going to they're mm -hmm. feel like they're having a good experience with a bourbon, right? Um, and I'll tell you what, it's, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take another sip, kind of let it simmer a little bit before I give it the rating because, again, I, I want to be unbiased with it because I do, I do love Buffalo Trace, and, and it, it is a staple for me. It's honestly, I would say, this is the bourbon that got me into drinking bourbon. Right. So I, I'm going to take a sip. I'm going I'm to sit with it for a minute, but I'll let, I'll let you talk for, for a bit. So I'm, I'm glad you said that. Um, and uh, shout out to J.C. Ortega, Metro 5280. Um, this is also, and I've told this story before, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, And for those of you guys who don't know, we'll get a little personal here just because we're drinking Buffalo Trace. Uh, but J.C. Ortega, he was my business partner, my best friend for 
17 years, passed away in November. Um, if you guys have been watching the podcast for a year, you've seen him on a lot of the episodes up until November, and we took a little bit of a break. Uh, but him and I started drinking bourbon because we were big IPA drinkers. And God damn it, IPAs just make you so full. Mm-hmm. And the hangover the next day is rough. And we got the idea, drunk one night on IPAs, and we're like, we need to become bourbon and whiskey drinkers. So we started to put this plan in place on how to become a bourbon whiskey drinker. So we started with cheap bourbon and whiskey, Jack Daniels, I think Elijah Craig. Um, Larceny was one of the ones that we tried. Um, Gentleman's Jack. And we would put rocks in them. Uh, we actually started with just straight water. Like I'd fill up like this much and then do half water, half yep. whiskey to just get my taste buds. Mm-hmm. And we would do it. We lived down the street from each other, five, five houses down. And we would do it like multiple times a week for the sole purpose of just getting us each other <laughs> to like bourbon, it. right? Mm-hmm. So we started getting less and less water, less and less water. Then it was like, you know, ice cubes, like sonic ice cubes. Then it was like regular ice cubes. Then we started trying the balls of whiskey. And this is like, this is probably over a three month period. And then one day he got his hands on Buffalo Trace and we poured it. And I was like, let's just pour it neat and see how we like it. We poured it neat. We were over at his basement watching, um, Shit, this might have been actually during the last World Cup. Uh, not this last one, but the mm-hmm. one before that. So five years ago. And tasted it neat. And the first sip, we kind of looked at each other. We we're like, we fucking made it. Did we do it? We fucking made it. <laughs> and I looked at him. I go, do you like this? He goes, yeah. I fucking love this. I'm like, dude, this tastes so good to me. Mm-hmm. He goes, this tastes so good to me too. And since then, we had been Buffalo Trace, E.H. Yep. E. Taylor, Eagle Rare, Weller, yep connoisseurs and this was the first bourbon that we drank neat and we were like we fucking made it we did it six months later that's awesome we're actually bourbon drinkers so this this is tough for me because it's got a sentimental place yep um so i'll I'll add so yeah i'll add to that for me when i first started drinking buffalo trace have you ever heard of baron jaeger or baron jaeger Uh -uh. it is a honey liqueur okay from germany yeah it has it stands for bear hunter okay so it's it's looks clear it's pretty syrupy I would do a pour of Buffalo Trace with a little float of Baron Jaeger. That is how I got into uh, bourbon because okay. it's a little sweeter on the forehand. Yeah. But combining the two with, with the nutty flavors, the, the chocolate, the, oh, bu- yeah. the, the, uh, the butter, it, it got to a point where I was like, wow, I'm drinking, this, I'm drinking it neat, but this is a cocktail. This is, this is good. And then eventually the, the Baron Jaeger just, just fell off. Yep. And I was left with Buffalo yep. because that's what it does. Yeah. It, it, it gives you an opportunity to, to sip through, enjoy it. It doesn't hit you in the face um, with, with the ethanol. Um, I'm, I'm going to take a jump and, again, trying to remain unbiased, trying to take experience out of it, especially compared to the bourbons that we've drank. Don't forget that price plays into uh, price for the bottle plays into it because you said 32 bucks, right? At $32 for the taste... I'm gonna get. I, I'm gonna give it a four point. I'm gonna give it a four and a half. Okay. Um, leaning leaning more towards a five. Okay. Um, only because again, price point is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the flavors are definitely there, and again, it would be very. It's very good for intro bourbon drinkers. But in comparison to some small batches and and yep. other bourbons, Buffalo Trace definitely does what it has to do. It delivers on what it is, but it does leave a little bit. Of, of complexity to the guessing game. Yeah, I would, I would agree with you. I think um, 
obviously from a name standpoint, like that's everybody loves Buffalo Trace. Mm -hmm. And as far as I'll I'll do two ratings. Number one, bourbon's under 40 bucks. Oh yeah. This is the best bourbon you can have. Absolutely. Hands down. This, if you don't want to spend money on bourbon, but you want to get a good bourbon, Buffalo Trace is it. Yep. Hands down. I honestly, and I don't know if you agree with me on this, the flavor profile mm-hmm. reminds me of a less complex Dexter. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, and we, Dexter was one and a half. Yeah. And I, I, I buy that bottle every time I fucking see it. Mm-hmm. It's so goddamn good. Yep. This is like halfway there, mm-hmm. but it's also $31. Yeah. So it makes sense, mm-hmm. right? The interesting thing, we, we'll have to do this, because I've, I've done this in Missouri with, with my buddy Joey, JC's brother, where we did a blind taste test of yeah. Buffalo Trace, Eagle Rare, Weller, and E.H. Taylor. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if you guys don't know the lineage of Buffalo Trace, you essentially, as you go up in price, it's essentially Buffalo Trace. Longer. Longer <laughs> aged uh, yeah. with a little bit more specifics in the barrels and, mm-hmm. and select barrel and whatnot. So you can go from Buffalo Trace to Eagle Rare to either Blanton's or E.H. Taylor. Yeah. Then you got Weller, which Weller is actually technically the beginnings of mm-hmm. Buffalo Trace. So Weller is like the base. Yep. And we rated this higher than all of them, mm-hmm. which is really weird, yeah. right? Um, but yeah, for under under forty bucks, best bourbon you can get, I Absolutely. think personally that I've Absolutely. had. That I've had. If you guys have suggestions, let us know. So um, what's your number? My number? Mm-hmm. My personal number? It, well, your your number for for the bourbon rock rating. Mm. 3.75 <laughs> I like it I like 3. it 3.75 yep that's a good one that's 3. a good 7. one 5. good way to go good yeah, way to go I think it's I because I, I'm I'm thinking of like the larcenies yeah right and I thought and I think Elijah Craig we rated it like a four-ish four and a half mm-hmm. I just I think this is better okay um, I don't think it's world's better but I think it's the complexity and the way that the toffee stays on the back yeah. of your tongue um, and it's I think it's uh I think it's forty five percent. So it's not. It's ninety proof versus eighty proof. And I think Elijah Craig and uh, uh, Larson are eighty proof. Yeah. So you got a higher proof that I think has more complexity and flavor. So I'm going to go under a four, three point seven five. I like it. Yep. I like it. Yep. Hell of an episode today, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Remember, you can catch us every week on our YouTube channel, Living in Colorado at the Mile High Perspective. Please, please, please give us a like, a follow, a subscribe, a comment. Whether it be good, bad, in between, whatever it is, we'd love to engage yep. with you guys and, and have the conversation. Let us know if we can try a bourbon that, that, that you like mm-hmm. and you want us to, to give a try and give a rating to. Um, and remember, guys, you can reach out to us and get us at uh, R-E-S-O-T-R at themilehighperspective.com or give us a phone call. At- 303-578-0263 rings both of our phone numbers. Yep. And then obviously social media, you guys can find me, the Colorado Real Estate Guy basically everywhere, TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn. It's Jameson Amaros. If you guys want to follow me on there, I don't know who uses LinkedIn, but (laughs) professional. Yeah. Yeah. I am a professional like four hours a day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to real estate. Exactly. Uh, You can find me that lifting agent on Instagram, TikTok, Charlie Shardelli on Facebook and LinkedIn. And both of us would be more than happy to talk with you about anything. And I'm not going to lie. I think our TikToks are pretty good. Dude, I, I love the video, it. Man. I great. The videos are pretty good. Honestly, pretty entertaining. Good. Right? Yep, agreed. <laughs> you could also see my very beautiful girlfriend there you on, go. on my TikTok. She's uh, she helps me with a lot of my videos. True, they're but, fucking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out! Thank you guys so much for joining yep. us. We'll catch you guys. Cheers. Later. Cheers. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. 
You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and for the weekly video version, subscribe to our YouTube channel at Living in Colorado, The Mile High Perspective.